My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series will contain interviews I conduct with women, female-identified, and non-binary individuals regarding their professional stories and personal narrative as it relates to their perspective. This podcast is designed to hold a space for all individuals to learn from their counterparts, regardless of age, status, or industry. We intend to transparently investigate the evolving global dialogue regarding underrepresented figures in all industries across the USA and abroad. By hosting these stories and conversations, we aim to contribute to the changing platform and representation of these individuals for the future. If you are enjoying this podcast series, be sure to check out our subsequent series called Roundtable with Patricia Kathleen, where we talk with a panel of guests regarding key topics that arise in these individual interviews. You can subscribe to all of our podcast series on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean, as well as our website, patriciacathleen.com. You can also contact me directly via this website or through my media website, wild.agency. That's W-I-L-D-E dot agency. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. and welcome back. This is your host, Patricia. And today I am sitting down with Rashida Abdul-Khaliq. She is the founder of Rashida's Unique Broom, or R-U-B, Inc. Welcome, Rashida. Well, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It's a blessing. I'm so excited to have, um, to kind of climb into what R-U-B, Inc. does, as well as get into kind of the A-to-K commercial and construction cleaning that falls under that purview. For everyone listening, just a quick roadmap for today's podcast. It's going to follow the same trajectory as all of the other podcasts that we do for this series. Namely, we'll look at Rashida's um, academic background and early professional life as it pertains to um, what she would like to share with us today. And then we'll look at unpacking her company and other current endeavors that she's involved in. We'll get into some of the logistics and the nuts and bolts of her system, the who, what, when, where, why, how, funding, all of those great things. And then we'll turn towards some of the philosophical or the ethos of what her companies and her business endeavors do. We'll then wrap with um, goals that Rashida has for the next three years regarding her company and other personal endeavors. And uh, finally, we will wrap everything up with advice that she may have for those of you looking to emulate some of what she has done and her success thus far, or possibly get involved. I'm gonna read a quick bio on Rashida before I get into peppering her with questions. Um, ADK Commercial and Construction Cleaning was founded on January 1st, 2002 by Rashida Abdul-Khaliq, a native Californian and former member of the United States Marine Corps, making it a proud member of startups of 100% owned by USA veterans. Rashida studied business management, business studies, and real estate at George Washington University, Miracosta College, and National University. ADK Commercial uh, and Construction Cleaning has proudly serviced the San Diego area for 18 years, and in addition to its remarkable service, distinguishes itself by the 17 separate diversity certifications they maintain. These certifications range from African American Business Enterprise, AABE, Disabled Veteran Business Enterprise, DVBE, to women-owned small businesses, WOSB, among dozens of others. 
So Rashida, I'm excited to climb into what you're doing and also to kind of unpack um, how you and I came to know each other through the um, Connect All, the Jacob Center. But first, I was hoping you would start us off with kind of a bird's eye view or a synopsis of your academic background and early professional life prior to what you're doing now. Okay, thank you, Patricia. Let me first give praise and thanks to the creator for this opportunity and to thank you in advance for having me. I'm native Californian, born and raised in LA. Both my parents were entrepreneurs. My dad was a landscape gardener, so were his brothers. My mom did private duty nursing, and she also hustled perfume, oils, and lingerie on the side, which my sister and I were models. And uh, nice. one of yeah, one of my uncles also on my mother's side was a landscape gardener and a barber. The thing that I saw as a young person in an entrepreneurial household is the summer that my mother wanted to take off from work doing a private duty nursing. She went in and told him that she needed time off. And they said, okay, how much time do you need? She said, three months. And they told her, we may be able to give you two weeks and one without pay. And she said, no, the children are out of school. I need three months off. And they said, we can't promise you your job. And she says, okay. Well, we left, had a good time. My mother came back and got another job. And mm. I'm looking at my dad get up every morning. He never clocked anyone's clock. He got up and he did things on his own. So to me, that entrepreneurial is almost in the spirit of, I guess, our family. My granddad was a barber in Texas when it was unpopular for people of color to even own houses, let alone own a business. Mm. The day before he was to open, he was burnt down. And he said, you're not gonna stop what I have. And he built it back up again. And so through hearing all of my granddad's stories and looking at my mom and dad, you know, I was going to school in Los Angeles and I went to um, the, some of the colleges there. My father told me this, Patricia, you've been in college a long time because in the military, you're going to different colleges. You're never really having residence at any one. Mm -hmm. So when I went to get my degree, National University says, nope, not right now. You got to come back and do a residence. My father said, you may not have a degree, but you have a PhD in life. So mm -hmm. with that, I'm like, okay, dad, you're telling me that as your child, I understand life. That was real weighty with me. And so at 17, I wanted to enter the military. My mom was against it. You know, she's like, no, 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 you don't need to join. I love my mom and I listened to her. She got sick and she passed. After she passed, I went ahead and lived my dream of joining the military. Mm -hmm. I chose the United States Marine Corps. It wasn't my first choice. My first choice was the Air Force. Everything I did, Patricia was to join the Air Force. And the day before I was like gonna sign the contract, uh, we were sitting down and I was looking at the pictures and I'm like, these some sloppy looking clothes. You know, do you tailor the clothes? Right. And they told me, they said, the best we can do is give you clothes that can fit as close as possible and then you tailor them yourself. And I walked out and naturally the Marine was standing there. Marines do not actively recruit women. When right. you see anyone that's in the Marine Corps, that's because that woman has chosen. Nobody came and asked them to join. So as I'm walking out, the staff sergeant calls me over and he says, have you tested? They want to know that you're ready. And I said, I've done everything. And I looked on the wall 
and I saw the dress blue uniforms of the Marines. Nobody could touch that. No branch could touch that. And I asked him, I said, do you tailor the uniforms? He said, we tailor your uniforms for the first six months. And I said, well, I'm a tailor-made individual. So that's why I joined the Marine Corps. So got in the Marine Corps real quick. I did excellent. I did excellent. In three months after going through school boot camp, then school, got on my first duty station in three months, I had the rank of E3. That didn't sit well with a lot of people because you're so young, but you got a lot of rank. And I enjoyed the Marine Corps. There were a lot of challenges. But while I was in the Marine Corps in Washington, D.C., I wanted more money than what I was getting. And so I had seen a gentleman on the street selling leather purses and attache cases. And I went up and I said, these are nice purses. And he said, yeah, I shop in New York. And he gave me the information. I went to New York, bought gold, 14 karat gold, came back with the same leather purses they're selling in Macy's for $35 and $40. I was getting them for seven. And I would come back and he and I kind of picked up selling things. Well, when I got out of the Marine Corps, we, my husband at the time, got stationed in California. So I'm like, yay, I get to go home. So we came back. And the 1984 Olympics was coming to Los Angeles. And my thing was, there's no way Los Angeles is my hometown and all this money is coming here and I'm not getting a piece of it. (laughs) So I created t-shirts. My brother was my artist. I called the Olympics to find out what needed to be done so they wouldn't snatch your stuff up because they were taking people's things. And I said, okay, I'm going to make 1984 Summer Olympics. I was there. And I'm going to tell you one of the things that really put the entrepreneurial bug in me so hard was one morning, no one was on the street selling but me. I got out there early and there had been a program change. Nothing was supposed to start until like eight or nine. I was out there at 6.30 and it was a busload of people walking. And I was so surprised and they came up to me. It was so fascinating. Patricia, people are taking things and giving money and I'm trying to give money back and put their yeah. stuff in bags. And I'm, thank you, God bless. Thank you, God bless. Thank you, God bless. And then a lady was walking. I said, what happened? She said, oh, there was a change. You got another busload of people coming. And this other busload of people were coming and they were giving me money. My heart was beating so fast. Everything is happening so fast. I did one thing that I would never do again. Patricia, I asked God to stop the blessing. Can Wait, as I got in my car, my heart is beating. I took the $50 out I had initially started with. And in less than an hour, I had made $350. And I said, I need to be in business for myself. Yeah. I need to be in business for myself. The road I had taken in school, when I was young, I wanted to be a secretary. I don't know what was so fascinating about the typewriter. And so during my early career, I was a clerk typist, then I came up to assistant, and then I was executive assistant, executive secretary. And that was fun, and I did that for some time, but I always wanted to do something else. And as time went on, and I got a divorce. I'd been married for 21 years. And when I left, I just 
left. I had nothing. I going through divorce for whatever reason. They did not allow me or they did not give me spousal support. I was unemployed. And so I came to San Diego as a homeless veteran in one of their programs. And I was studying real estate at the time. I want to be a real estate agent. So I got my real estate license. Well, Patricia, do you like to eat? I do. And so I go, I got to do something to bring in some money so I can feed myself. And I had worked with my cousins when I was in Los Angeles and, you know, visiting them. They would say, I got to go do a job. Come out with me. And I'm like, what are we doing? Just come on, come on. We're going to be cleaning. And I'm like, okay. So I went out and cleaned with them. And they were making, you know, three, four, five hundred dollars per month on each building. So I signed with a janitorial company and I went in and they loved the fact that I had a good background in secretarial work and they wanted to bring me into the fold. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm doing my real estate. I need to work nights. And I did that and it was a lot of fun. And, and as I kept on doing my real estate, I decided, I said, I don't want to be doing this. I want to be a broker, but I'm still working my janitorial. And I had worked my janitorial for a couple of months. And I looked at the people and I said, I need a raise. And they said, we can give you a quarter. I said, but wait a minute. Mm -hmm. You're paying me $7.25 an hour to do these buildings. My cousins were making three, $400 a month. I said, now, how can I do that? They said, you need to be an independent contractor. Your cousins are independent contractors. I said, no, they're not, because they were not. They were being paid as such, but they were not. So they showed me the right way to get into business. They said, if you want to be an independent contractor, we can help you. And they told me exactly what I needed. They walked me through everything. And matter of fact, they gave me my vacuum, my mop buckets, everything. And I paid them back through my salary while I was working with them. And it was fantastic. And I said, you know what? This is what I want to do. And I was doing that and I was doing real estate. But then I said, I don't want to work for someone else doing real estate. I want to be my own broker. That was in 2009. I paid my money being a broker. And at the same time, there was a big project coming to the San Diego airport. And it was the first phase that they were doing. And I said, hmm, there's a dilemma. Because I put in for the contract at the airport to do final cleaning. Now, excuse me, not final cleaning. Patricia, it was janitorial work. Mm -hmm. And I put in and I paid for my brokers. And then I said, you can't do both. Something is going to not be right. Either you're going to be a broker doing your real estate or you're going to build your business. You need to make a decision. And I chose my business, Rashida's Unique Broom Rub Inc. I'm an S Corp. And so my money that I paid to the real estate, I just let that go and I concentrated on my business. I didn't know what I was doing. I had decided that I wanted to get these certifications. And when I went to get my disadvantaged business enterprise, that's a certification that helps you as a small business because they recognize not everyone 
has Bill Gates as a brother, as an uncle. Not everyone has Warren Buffett as a friend that you can say, I need a half a million dollars to get started and people get it. Some people don't. I was one that didn't. So therefore I qualified as a dis disadvantaged business enterprise. But they told me this, you don't have any contracts. You're a subcontractor for your company. This certification is for you. And because you don't have your own con contract, it looks like you would be fronting for the company that you're working for. Hmm. And the lady said, I'm not telling you what to do, but as long as you're working for this company, it'll look like you're doing it for them. And so I said, okay, I understand, I understand. And I, you know, took it into prayer. And then 30 days, I gave them my notice. I said, I'm going to be quitting in 30 days. It was a leap of faith. I didn't have any contracts of my own. Before that 30 days was up, I had my first contract. Kept that contract for almost five years cleaning a salon. Did I know how much to charge? No. Why? Because other people were doing it for me. So I told the lady this. She said, I know you can, you won't be able to do it for what I'm paying right now because the gentleman is a friend of mine. And I said, well, if you don't mind me asking, how much are you paying? She said, $380. And I said to myself, oh, thank God you told me because I was going to charge you $350. And so I said, okay, well, I could do it. I tacked on maybe another $100. And then from there, when I got the job, working at the airport, cleaning the construction trailers, I had no idea. It was 2009. This was September. I talked to my older son. I said, I got a project out here. And because he was, he had gotten married and he and his wife were going to be relocating to Las Vegas. And he said, let me go up there, set up my business, uh, music business. He said, I'll come back and I'll work with you back and forth and I said okay cool let's do this so I got this job when I first put in my bid for how much I would charge they said we want you to clean 2,000 square feet I said okay they said how much would you charge us I said $25 an hour and I was with an organization San Diego what is it S San Diego Business Development Corporation SBDC which is PTAC in itself and they help small businesses and so I went to them, I said, okay, I have this opportunity. And the lady that I was uh, talking to, she got so upset with me. They better not accept $25 an hour. This is a prevailing wage job. I knew nothing what she was talking about. You better charge more than that. So I got nervous. I said, okay, okay, uh, I, I, I'll tell them $45 an hour. And she looked at me and discussed. She said, go ahead. So I told them $45 an hour. They said, okay, you clean it once a week, 2,000 square feet. And then they said, in about a month and a half, we're moving. Rashida, we're going to increase it to 7,500 square feet. How much would you charge? Patricia, I went out on a limb. I said, I'm going to charge $120 an hour. And they said, OK. I was flabbergasted. I'm like, oh, you know the party was on, right? You know that. So I'm having a good time. And then they said, and I was cleaning for one day a week, eight hours. Then they came back and they said, we're going to increase it to 1,200, no, 12,500 square feet. How much would you charge? 
And I, okay, 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 this is what I'm gonna do. So I, and they want you to clean it for two days, eight hours, both days. I told them $110 an hour. I got called into the office by the business manager, Rashida. Why did you lower your rate? I said, because I went from one day to two days and I increased it from five hours to eight hours and I was given a discount. Are you really doing okay, Rashida? Are you really doing okay? I was like stoked. I'm like, yeah, I was bringing in anywhere from $7,000 to $11,000 a month. And when I would do the stripping of the floors and doing all of this and everybody was happy, well, I didn't get paid for two months at one time. Patricia, I, I said, what's up? I went in and the same man that told me to go after my money was telling me that I was charging too much because someone had came in and told him she's a janitor. She shouldn't be making but three or four cents a square foot. It was too late then. So I stayed on there. And my son, like I say, he was gonna come back and he was gonna help. Well, you know, we plan, the creator plans, and he's the best of planner. My son and his wife were killed in a car accident in November 2009. Mm -hmm. So that kind of set me back a little bit. And I said, okay, okay. I just kept this one job basically because it was taking care of everything. And that's when I began to learn about prevailing wage jobs and how you can work under a contract that the state is financing and the federal government is financing. And that, that the pay rate for those jobs, you do not have a say in. They tell you exactly how much you are to pay. Right. So these prevailing wage jobs at that time were ranging anywhere from 42 to $50 an hour. And that's why that lady was angry with me when I was first gonna charge that little bit. And so during that time, I said, okay, we worked that for four years. And then I, so we're now at 2013. And I said, okay, that job's over and we're gonna hustle. And really I started getting more prevailing wage jobs, which was good in a way, but it wasn't in another way. Cause Patricia, you need money. You gotta have money to pay a prevailing wage job. And my first one that I got was really almost like given to me because a gentleman was working it. And for whatever reason, he lost the contract and they came to me. And I said, okay, I didn't know how to do a certified payroll. I didn't know all of these things. So I went to a lady and she said, okay, I got a lady, she can help you. And this is the thing that as business owners, everybody's not out for you. This lady set me up to fail. She, I paid her the money. I said, I don't know anything about prevailing wage. I don't know any of this. Can you help me? She said, sure. She started doing everything. The day I started the job, I never heard from her. And so now I'm in a job. I'm like, oh my God, mm. I got to do prevailing wage. I don't know what I'm doing, but I did it. Mistakes and all, I did it. And I got a call from the state of California. And they told me they were getting ready to throw me under the bus. You have somebody working on this job who does not have a license. And I'm like, my window guy doesn't have a license. He needs to have a license. We're withholding this. And there was this whole thing. And I said, well, he's already off the job. He only worked here two days. He's already been paid. Mm. And so the gentleman in, in the state told me, he said, 
you need to do this and you need to make sure that everybody you bring on this job has a license as your subcontractor. He had insurance and everything, he just didn't have his license. And so I told him, I said, I called a lot of companies, window companies. I said, and none of them have their license. And I was told, then you need to keep calling until you find one that does. Don't you ever bring anybody on a state job that does yeah. not have their license. I'm like, okay. So the reality you know, is there are a whole lot of people out here that bring people on that do not have their license for the window cleaning. I don't. Yeah. Because really? of what that man told me, I am very particular. And so through all of this, I, I began to grow. The only thing, I always created my business. And I would tell people, I'm creating my business to be employee-owned. Even with my family, they're like, that's your dream. Yeah, until it's prevailing wage time, then everybody come on your payroll. Right. And I said, I would like it to be employee-owned so that there's a vested interest in what you're doing. And I look at a lot of the companies and I'm like, I don't know how they're doing that, but that's something that I would love to do. Well, and let me I think interrupt you really quickly, Rashida, and, and ask you um, just some questions quickly about like the kind of the logistics of um, Rashida's unique broom, like under that umbrella. So do you identify with it being launched in 2009? And also because you were solely the founder and the first person working, how long was it until you hired employees? Did you keep it as a solo business for a long time? No, what happened, okay, Rashida's Unique Broom, there was the director of the Department of General Services. I would go to all of these outreaches and I had negativity coming at me from some people and I was deciding to change my business name because they're like, oh, you're narcissistic. You just want your your name and your business. And I was like, oh, maybe I should change it. Hmm. And the gentleman told me this, don't do that. Your business is unique and unique is in your name. He said, so get a DBA, do business as, but keep Rashida's unique brewing. So I created AK Commercial and Construction Cleaning. Whatever you do, he told me, make sure the title of your company tells the person what you do so they don't have to guess. It's long, AK Commercial and Construction Cleaning. I do commercial and I do construction cleaning. It's in the name. So that I would have to say I incorporated in 2005. Yeah, AK Commercial and Construction Cleaning came about 2009. Okay. And that's when I started doing that because it was and still remains predominantly a male-dominated industry. Yeah. And as Rashida's Unique Broom, I would be out with my business cards and Rashida's Unique Broom sweeping the competition out the door. Yeah. And they pat you on the head. Are you doing, are you selling brooms? And I'm like, no, we do this, that, and the other. And then I said, these men are not taking me serious. Now, AK Commercial and Construction Cleaning, I get calls every single day. Yeah. And so the first crew that I hired was for the work at the airport. There was one lady, she was so good. She worked with me for four years for the whole time that we were at the airport. And she had another job, so she was working part-time with me. Now, so that was my first employee. The others are basically the employees that work with me, work the contract. 
And when the contract ends, it basically so did their employment end because I wasn't just going to keep people on payroll, which is a mindset I have to change. I wasn't just going to keep people on payroll to end up paying all these other things. And so basically it's contract work. We have contract work. It works and that, for, I think for scaling as well and things like that. What do you see um, for like the next three years as a goal for um, your company? Do you have you set out any defined goals that you'd like to see yourself achieve? Yes. So my next three years, number one, I want to find someone who can help me as an assistant. That's what we're working with Connect All right now as an assistant in the business because you can't run a business if it's just you trying to do everything. And I really, are, I'm looking for someone that can basically take over what I'm doing. There are a lot of bids in my emails that I need to get to, but when you're doing the bidding, you're doing the reading, you're going out, you're walking the projects, you're doing everything, everything's not gonna get done. And so right now my goal, and I'm working with Denea and Connect All at the Jacobs Center, and we're looking for a good match to bring in someone that can help me with my, I guess, everyday paperwork. And then from there, I would like to actually own a building in three years, not just rent a space, because I want to have almost like a university training when mm -hmm. it comes to cleaning, because People will say, oh, how, how, I can do that, I can do that. But then you bring them in and you, you train them, you watch them, okay, let me see you clean the bathroom. Okay, this is the way we do it. This is how you do it. You gotta get behind the toilet, you gotta do this. We have things set out. So I would like to have a building, this is my goal, that I could actually have training done as opposed to bringing somebody out on a job and training them. We can have a room set up, I can put dirt around, you can go in there and I can see how you do and then I can show you what needs to be done. And that's one goal and to grow the business to where people that really see the vision of where this company can go, come aboard. Nice. And we, and I'm looking at exiting in three to five years. Mm -hmm. And so this is like my last hurrah, if it makes sense to you, to okay. really do what I need to do and should have been doing but when you have challenges in life, sometimes things take a, a back seat to what you want to do. And one of the things, when I was feeling really good, like I say, in 2013, you know, I, I got out of that big contract and I'm getting these other jobs, 87,000 at UCSD. I brought on 16 people on payroll. That was a real learning experience because that was prevailing wage. So everybody making money and then my youngest son was murdered in 2015 yeah. that took a lot more out of me than losing my older son because that was an accident this mm -hmm. wasn't and at that point i understood how people who had businesses lost their business yeah. i took a back seat constantly trying to do something but not nearly what I should have been doing. And yeah. in about 2017, you know, we got convictions and there's still not closure, but we got convictions. And then that's when I began to, 
take a deeper breath, begin to breathe again and say, I need to get my business where it once was and even more. And that's why when the opportunity came with Connect All at the Jacob Center, I started filling it out for the first cohort and my energy went away and I didn't complete it. When the second opportunity came home or came around for the second cohort, you know, you have to talk to yourself. I'm like, you better do this. You can't keep doing what you've been doing. You got to do something else. You want to grow, then there's ways to grow. You want to be a multi-million dollar company. There's ways to do it and you can't do it by yourself. Yeah. And I think the accelerators, which for everyone listening and doesn't know, Connect All at the Jacob Center is a San Diego based accelerator that takes on cohorts um, twice a year, I believe right now, and it's incredibly mm -hmm. competitive. And um, it does what all accelerators do. It, you know, it provides um, a geographic home base as well as a lot of education in yeah. the form of seminars and connections and information regarding everything that businesses need to start, flourish, and prosper. And I do think that it's a, it was a great choice of yours to make. Um, a lot of people would have seen it as you know not necessarily um, the most obvious choice either. I'm curious, Rashida, as we wrap wrap up today's conversation. You've had such a prolific, um, you know, professional history, and you've kind of spanned the gamut of so many different industries, and then wound mm -hmm. up with this business that's your own. And within it, you've gone through these highs and lows within the business throughout your personal life, and the right. that that has woven in between. What are the top three pieces of advice that you can think of today that you could offer um, someone else who was coming into an industry similar as yourself with a similar background? Follow your dream. Don't let people, player haters, tell you that you can't do it. Follow your heart. Whatever it is that you want to do, you can do it if you put your mind to it. And don't let anything stop you. Don't let anything stop you. Another thing you need to do is get a good mentor. When you're first getting started, if you don't have a good mentor, get one. Find someone or an organization that can help you move forward how you want to go. And next thing, never give up. Never give up. What I started doing with my business, because I want to be non-toxic, I started incorporating water cleaning into my business. And I started looking around, looking for green cleaning which is what everybody is asking for nowadays. And I found the Enagic Water Ionizer, and that's how I do my sterilizing, my disinfecting, because this machine is used in the hospitals of Japan to clean their surgical equipment and instruments. So most surely it, it can clean a bathroom. Yeah. And so instead of bringing all these toxins into your business, I'm bringing water. And people go, but what's in your water? It's water. That's all it is. And we disinfect and we clean and I'm loving it. Yeah, that's innovative and it sounds very um, on trend. You know, it sounds yes. like a flagship for that industry. So I've got follow your dream. Don't let anyone stop you. Get a good mentor and never give up. As the never give up. Those are fantastic. And we are out of time today, but I wanted to say, um, you guys have been listening to Rashida Abdul-Khaliq. 
You can find her um, online at akcommercialcleaning.com as well as, um, I think, well, I think is, is it Rashida, um, ak.enagic web.info. So yes. both of those can lead you back to her. Thank you so much for your time and your expertise today, Rashida. I really appreciate it. Patricia, thank you for what you're doing, and I really appreciate this opportunity. May you have a blessed life. Thank you so much. And for everyone listening, thank you for spending your time with us. And until we speak again next time, remember to always bet on yourself. Sláinte.